So we're going to read uh, Psalm 46. As, uh, on page 565 or on some of the Bibles 566. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, do keep that uh, passage open. If you don't know me, my name is Andy Meadows. I'm the children's and youth minister here at Grace Church. And before we look at God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you you have not left us in the dark about what you are like. Uh, We thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. And so we pray now as we come to read it that you would help us understand uh, more of you. Amen. Let me ask you a question as we start. What do you fear? What do you fear? There's spiders. There's heights. Needles, clowns, those are some of the big hitters. Uh, For me, uh, recently, it's been the fear of dropping my newborn son. Perhaps you can identify with that. Um, There's national and global fears, the implications of Brexit, uh, nuclear war, global warming. Then there's everyday life fears, exams, instability of work, finances, health. And then throw into the mix the extra London fears of getting knocked off your bike, being mugged, or being caught up in a terrorist attack. Then there's the added fears of evangelism, facing opposition, and the very real fear of death. And in the face of trouble and fear, where do we turn for refuge and solace? We could turn to our phones and TV, at games or books for distraction. We turn to work to keep ourselves busy, perhaps even alcohol to numb the pain, or we turn to the fridge for comfort. Yet when faced with real trouble, Psalm 46 calls on God's people to look to God himself for refuge. We're not exactly sure when Psalm 46 was written, 
and what uh, they are facing. It could be the Assyrian attack led by Sennacherib. But it is a real time of pressure and trouble. And in the face of it, they sing verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. With everything life is throwing at them, how can they say that they will not fear? How can we say that today? And how can we mean it? Well, all because of verse 1. It's the headline to the whole psalm. Have a look down. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that verse. Perhaps commit it to memory this week. When you've been kicked in the teeth in life, this is the big truth to remember and act on. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've not really felt that much tragedy in life so far. Or pressure. Well, this morning you can store up these truths to use for yourself and for others, for when it does come. There's the outline on the service sheet on the back of your handout, so do uh, follow along there. And so firstly, in times of trouble and fear, trust God's protection. Trust God's protection. Verse 1 again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. It's clear this is not describing a holiday at the beach in Cornwall with a glass of coke in one hand and a book in the other, but more something out of a disaster film, like The Day After Tomorrow, if you remember that. Imagine Ben Nevis falling into the sea. And imagine you're there in the middle. Wave after wave crashes against the cliff edge until it crumbles and falls. This is what life was like for God's people in Psalm 46, in a dangerous world. A world of floods, raging storms, forest fires, soaring temperatures, earthquakes... A world of chaos, of crashing and banging. And when tragedy and fear of the natural world gripped God's people, they turned to the immovable God for refuge and strength. Well, as well as the, the literal waves, it could be talking about the metaphorical waves battering God's people here in Psalm 46. Pressure from verse 6, the raging nations around them. Enemy attacks crashing against them. Yet they trusted God's protection. Why? Because verse 1, God is their refuge. That place of protection and peace. And verse 7 and 11 comes the, uh, the repeated refrain as well. What is God like? God is our fortress. It's a really gripping picture isn't it one of the best uh, places of protection in the world is inside the united states presidential car it's known as the beast now only the secret service know how to open the doors it's five inch thick bulletproof glass 
Only the windows of the driver's seat open, only just by three inches, just to pay the tolls. It has run-flat tyres, and inside they're completely sealed off in case of a chemical attack, and they have oxygen tanks inside. Apparently it's got rocket-propelled grenades, night vision optics, a tear gas cannon, and two pints of the blood in the president's blood type. It's a fortress. (laughs) And so when trouble comes in the crowd, he's bundled inside and finds refuge inside the beast. It gives great refuge and protection to the president, but in a much greater way, God gives his people refuge and protection in a dangerous world and from their enemies. For Israel, the first singers of this psalm, this pointed to the great city of Zion, uh, the city where they found refuge from the relentless waves crashing against them. Uh, With hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers camped around them, God protected his people and struck down 185,000 in one night. And you can read about that in 2 Kings 19. And yet we today know more than the sons of Korah did who wrote this psalm. As we see God's refuge and protection ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. In him is the safest place in a dangerous world. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, there is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Jesus we find refuge from God's judgment on sin because he went through that judgment himself for us. We find refuge from the, the devil's attacks and he cannot snatch us from his hand. And in Jesus, we find refuge from the fears of living in a broken world. As Paul goes on to write in Romans 8, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all protection will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when the waves of sin come crashing against us, the devil's attacks or the pain of life, we can trust in God's protection and refuge in Jesus. And so when you're feeling the heat, when tragedy comes and your world is falling apart, In Jesus, we know that God has our best interests at heart. Nothing will separate us from his love for us, not even the sad reality of death. Jesus is our refuge and fortress, a fortress much stronger than the president's car, much stronger than anything that can be built on Fortnite. And so we can say, in all confidence, in verse 2, we will not fear. Maybe that still seems quite far off to say that we will not fear. Well, secondly, in times of trouble and fear, we can know God's presence. There's a slight change from the handout there. Know God's presence. God's people would not fear because they knew 
God was with them. The psalmist moves from the crashing and banging of relentless waves to the calmness of a river and streams where God lives. Have a look down at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God's people were protected, not because of the thickness of the city walls or their skill in battle, but because ultimately God was with them. He was in their midst. And it comes back to the headline of verse 1. God is an ever-present help. You see the contrast, the mountains move into the sea, but God's city shall not be moved. It will not shake. Now children uh, don't need to be taught how to fear. It it just comes naturally, doesn't it? Um, Fear of the dark at bedtime, or the fear that comes after waking from a nightmare. I remember lying in my bed as a child, awaking from a bad dream or something, or just scared, and just shouting, Dad! Always Dad, not Mum. Nothing against Mum, but it was always Dad. It was always Dad I wanted. And I would shout, and I'd get louder and louder and louder. I never went in. Uh, louder and louder until he heard, and he came in, bleary-eyed, and he knelt by my bed, and he would reassure me. That presence in the room, that presence in the house, reassured he was a very present help in times of trouble. Well, in a much greater way, God's people knew God's presence with them each day, helping her when morning dawned. So when the Assyrians are camping around them, they go to bed scared, they wake up, they see the dead bodies. God was there helping them when morning dawned. They got up on a rainy Monday, God was with them. On Tuesday, God was still with them, and so on. And so, when the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, God's people knew, verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts that is the Lord of unbeatable armies, was with them. When Pharaoh and his army chased after them, God wiped them out. When Sennacherib surrounded the city, God was there. And yet again, here today, this morning, we know more of God's presence now than they did back then. God no longer dwells in an earthly city because he dwelt on earth as a person. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet we don't have to wait 142 days until Christmas when it's going to be nice and cold to remind ourselves of that great truth that Jesus came to earth as God, Emmanuel. In the midst of his people, to help them in times of trouble and ultimately to save us from sin. And Jesus continues to dwell with his people now, as we've been 
um, focusing on through our service. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians 4, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And again in Ephesians 2, in him, you, that's the church, are also, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Now the Lord of hosts, the Lord who put the stars in the sky, who sends thunder, is with us now as he reigns in the church and in our hearts. He is with us now as we meet together. Doesn't look that impressive, does it, in this room, school hall. We don't look that impressive, yet God is with us. And he's with us during the week, wherever we are, on the commute to work, in the park with the kids, in that difficult conversation with a friend you're trying to witness to, in the real fear, in the real trouble, the Lord of hosts is with us to help us each day. So when trouble comes, you're under the pump at school, at work, we can know God's presence with us through his spirit in our hearts and in the church. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He will never leave us or forsake us as he's promised and nothing can separate us from his love in the Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so when Satan, the enemy now, batters the church with wave after wave of attack, crashing against the rock, both in the church, both in the church this country and worldwide, well, how can we know the church won't crumble, that God's people will stand not because of anything on our part, but ultimately because God is in our midst. So the church shall not be moved. A very present help in trouble. Well, lastly, we move on to the last uh, part, verses 8 to 11, which make us look to the future. So in times of trouble and fear, behold God's power. Have a look down at verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Behold simply means to look, but not just a fleeting glance, but a fixed stare. And God's people in Psalm 46 will not fear because they kept their eyes on the power of their protector, who is much stronger than anything they will face. They reminded themselves just of who the world is dealing with. I wonder whether, like me, you woke up a few days ago with the, that thunderstorm at 5am. A small sample of the work of the Lord, the power, the sheer power in his hand. This is the powerful God who, verse 9, ends wars. Again, God's people saw that with their own eyes. They saw how they did that with the Assyrians, the Egyptians, smashing their weapons. And yet these acts in history are only a trailer, a foretaste of what is to come in the future. A time when God will end all wars. 
the raging nations will be calmed fully and finally. All when God is exalted in the earth. The UK current threat level is severe, uh, one below the highest level of critical. We live in a dangerous world, a world of terrorism, of brutal regimes, of world powers exchanging antagonistic rhetoric, and yet no army on earth is match, is match for God, the Lord of hosts. He breaks the machine gun, he shatters the tank, he ended wars in the past, and he will do it fully and finally in a future. And so the application comes in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That first bit, it sounds like something you might get on a poster uh, with a tranquil sea and a picture of a mountain. But this is not a call for quiet meditation but a call to stop raging against God. Stop disobedience. Stop the rebellion. The contrast there, the nations rage. The waters roar and foam. God's command in verse 10 is stop. Know who you're dealing with. Like the disobedient pupil, still in front of the headmaster, The whole world will one day be still before God. And for us now, we we know more of uh, the sun, like the sons of Korah. We can behold God's power in the actions of Jesus. When he was in a boat with his disciples, the waters were roaring and foaming. The disciples were fearing. They wake Jesus up, we're going to drown. Jesus says, Be still. Stop it. And it was calm. A very present help in trouble for those disciples, I should imagine. And in Jesus' death on the cross, we behold God's power over his enemies. There he cancelled the debt of sin and the enemy Satan, disarming him, defeating him, and defeating death with an empty tomb. Jesus has won the decisive battle. He has defeated, disarmed and destroyed the greatest enemies that we face now of sin, the devil and death. And now as they wage war, they do so as defeated enemies that one day will cease forever. And on that day, in that future, when Jesus returns, it will be him who is exalted in all the earth. Philippians 2 says this, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We live in a world where Jesus is ignored, 
not exalted at school, at work, in your road. But we hold on to the truth that one day he will be exalted when he will come in power. He'll destroy death fully, destroy wars, and that all wrongs will be put right. Behold God's power. As we close, this psalm is often called Martin Luther's psalm. In the thick of European reformation, whenever there was any trouble, Luther used to say to his co-worker, Philip Melanchthon, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th psalm together and let the devil do his worst. How will the devil do that to us as he wages attack after attack? We don't know, both as a church and individually. But through all the trouble and fear that church will face, what we will face, we can lean on Jesus, our refuge, who is with us now. As this morning, wherever we go, defending his church through the assaults of the world and sin and will one day return in power where he will be exalted forever. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus we find refuge for sin for your judgment we find refuge for the future to come that you are with us now through him and that you will be with us forever when Jesus returns we pray that in times of trouble and fear we would know you and know your presence with us Amen